let me do a quick welcome for everybody that's on the live chat. I know that they've been patiently waiting because, you know, they're here. We've got Brandon. We've got Faith. We've got Wolfie, Lauren, Brittany. Who else do I see here? Show yourselves if you have joined. Just want to make sure we shout you out and say thanks for joining us on this Saturday. I'm here. Well, no kidding. Mm. We've been covering Richard Ramirez. We're wrapping it up at this point. I got this episode and we got a lot of stuff to cover on this episode. So, okay, we're going to power through. Power through and may even take a quick break and uh, for a second part ish. Yeah, which would be unlisted for Supremos. Okay. Maybe because I was supposed to do that this week, but I didn't. So I didn't sleep very well this week. But anyway, there's only going to be a few more episodes of this left. And then I'm moving on from this guy for you're, good. You're not impressed. I'm, I mean, that sounds bad, but it's true. It doesn't sound bad. I mean, he's like a murderer. I so. mean, the last episode was pretty bad. Yeah, that was bad. We got to we got to bring Jen up to speed on what she missed. I wonder if they had that in the American Horror Story. So that show was all about Richard Ramirez? Um, No, I mean, his if I remember correctly, I mean, he he was portrayed in that season. I think he was also portrayed in the hotel season um, a, a small bit. Um, but like, where was, it was the hotel located in that hotel? The Cecil. Yeah, that's where it's, he lived. He lived in the Cecil Hotel. Yeah. And so the hotel season is also the one that stars Lady Gaga, which is like one of my favorites. I, I like the hotel season. I still think Coven is my favorite. That's the one. Maybe, with the maybe we should be watching. I've it. tried to get you to watch that. No, it's too scary. If I can watch it and be OK, it's Dude, not too scary. The okay. first season is so good. The season, we did the start season. watching the first season. Yeah. It was good. I love that season. Mm-hmm. Like, I love all the actors in there and everything. And the second season was um, Freak uh, Show? No, that was season four. Oh. Um, season two was the um, Asylum. All right. Okay. Well, I'd be willing to give it a shot. We don't. I know tomorrow starts movie horror movie season for us. So mm-hmm. we do one horror movie in e- a-, a night. One horror movie each night. Um, horror. No, yeah. he's saying he has his own season of movies that he wants to watch. No, I, I we're watching horror movies. <laughs> Horror. <laughs> I was gonna say, are you watching? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> on the on the other computer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we had a couple of um, s- supporters join us this week, so thanks, y'all. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to officially welcome Carmen. Hey, last, Carmen. Last week, we- oh sweet, we got her with that freaking uh, billing. <laughs> she forgot to uh, cancel. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, and also Neil. Is <laughs> What's a, up, Neil? Ta- uh, small uh, taco nacho or small taco. We only have two now. I, I'm confused about the tiered names. <laughs> She's like, I just. I, I literally, yeah. I literally, were. I wrote everything down. I literally was, made it easier for you. Though. No, it's confusing. How? I took one tier off. But, That's I, but I didn't two. find out until until what? the episode where I was like going to go into it. And then like oh, yeah, on air, on air, you were like, oh, we only have two tiers now. I thought I'm like, I, okay. I thought no. I told you that no it's okay all right it's very simple you if you want ad free episodes you'd be a small taco if you want live streams that are enlisted you'd be a taco supremo right okay that's basically it they, right, the taco supremo's got other things comic books and all that stuff too yeah but the basic the biggest thing is doing we do weekly live streams one or two weekly that are enlisted so this week um is for carmen so and Carmen was at her Greenville show. She was. Do you don't do you remember her or not? Yeah. Do you really? Yep. What'd she look like? Surprise shots. Surprise shots. 
we don't know what they are because they're a surprise. What uh, what color hair was she? Uh, she could have changed it by now. Who knows? Hey, Desiree. Welcome. Welcome. Hmm. That's interesting. Cheers. Cheers. Melon? Was it with something? Yeah, that was a Midori Sour Shot. It tastes like... Oh, that was good. One of those freezer pops. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was really good. Yeah. Ugh. I was like, I could tell it was green, even though... So that was my only clue. Otherwise, I really wouldn't have had any Yeah. Idea. All right, so let's recap Richard Ramirez, the episode from last... From during the week, so we can catch Jen up and anyone who missed it. All right, go ahead. Uh, okay, so he is going back into the nice house. He he wants to ro- start robbing nice homes again. Okay. And that is because he wants to be able to have enough money where he can have a place where he can, like, murder and torture people privately. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's, his, that's his goal. So he realized that um, he needed to or should start robbing wealthier area homes, even though they're riskier, right? Because there's nothing of value in the homes that he is right has been robbing. Uh huh. So he goes to a home in which he has once robbed before. Okay. And he kills the husband on the couch and he ties up the woman. Now, because they have been uh, robbed once before, not knowing this is the same perpetrator, they were prepared with a shotgun. Uh huh. The wife um, who was tied up, she was a, an attorney, right? She was a prosecutor and she is a strong willed woman. She gets out of her, you know, ties, breaks it apart, gets the shotgun under the bed, points it at Richard Ramirez and she pulls the trigger and he is panicking when he sees the tables have turned. Mm. She pulls the trigger. Empty. Click. There is no shotties in the shotgun. Oh no. The grandkids were visiting the weekend before and so the the father, grandfather, I guess, or husband, whatever, uh, whatever we want to label um, the deceased gentleman, he took the bullets out of the shotgun, the shells out of the shotgun um, to make sure that nobody had an accident and forgot to put him back in. So he was enraged after, you know, she's holding the shotgun, panics, and he he kills her, obviously, quite violently, and decides he was inspired by Billy Idol's Man Without a Face, right? No, Eyes Without, eyes without a, face. a Face. Sorry, wrong label. Mm. And he cuts out her eyeballs. While she's still alive? Mm, I can't remember. So I she think was, she was dying. She was shot three times, stabbed and stuff like that. I don't know if she was from his gun, his 22. Uh Right. Yeah. And so uh, he pockets the eyeballs and puts them in like a little jewelry box, little trinket box. Because eyes are the windows to the soul. Uh, and he needed to steal a soul for Satan because... He was sloppy and he felt like he needed to repay Satan and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So I've been like mentioning Richard Ramirez and Satan for a while, but I, I don't really think we've built it like we should have, like we should have. So this episode, we're going to be really talking about the religious aspect because what he does, like when he breaks into a home, he does it for Satan. I know I can just say that, but I really want to show you that that is what he is doing it for and this episode especially is going to highlight that and also for those primos because I think this may run kind of long so I want to do his background plus another couple murders too okay and then after that
that. Then we just do the capture of him, which is which is a whole episode of itself because the capture is incredible. Mm. And so we'll do that and then talk about his fan club and that's it. Cool. Cool. So, cool, 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 cool. And he has a fan club. I guess every serial killers have a fan club. That's weird. Weirdly. You know, women love true crime for whatever. I don't know why. This has always been Ladies, like that. Ladies, explain it to us. It's yeah. like that trend where on, on you know, TikTok where they say that men like, well, let me ask you, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? The Roman Empire? Mm-hmm. Never. No. There's a trend on TikTok where like it what? says that men like think about the Roman Empire all the time. What? No. I don't know. I'm just saying it's a thing. So like there have been girlfriends that like <laughs> they ask their boyfriends or husbands like, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And some would be like three times a week or like whatever. I don't know. Maybe they're like, whatever. So there's now a trend that's like, what is the female version of the Roman Empire? And there have been like so many different answers. Some will say like the John Bonet Ramsey case or some will say like true crime in general. Why the Roman Empire? I'm so I don't confused. know. So I don't know. Weren't, weren't like dudes obsessed with the movie 300 when it came out? Yeah, I guess insecure people would think about that all the time. I mean, I don't know. Or like the fall of the Roman Empire. I don't know. I, I really doubt. I can't say that I've really given it much thought. No, nobody <laughs> oh. has, you know. But I don't know. Hey. I don't know. It's just a thing that's going around the internet right now. I mean, I don't understand how things get viral. See, here's the thing. <laughs> but that's just me. It depends on what we're talking about. I don't think about the Roman Empire. Okay. I think about my own empire, but it's different. I thought it was going to be some phallus thing you were making. Joke. Phallus no. joke. No. All right. So tonight we're going to July 5th, 1985. All of these murders happened in 1985. And there are probably a lot more that he's committed, but because there was a span of a year between 1994 and a year goes by and then it just starts ramping up 1985 so no one really knows but tonight I'm starting this story 1985 and this is where we are right here alright so this is right by the Sierra Madre mountains right here mm-hmm. where we're going tonight we're going to Arno Drive and I know it's this house because of the red stair- step staircase so this is the house we're going to right here you notice the uh, steps uh-huh. going yep. up mm-hmm. What? Uh, this is a one story house these are very wealthy homes by the mountain here upscale community we see this guy's taking his man he is multitasking look look, he's cutting the grass and taking down his garbage good for you it's a nice house see i would have trees like this to show my masculinity it's a giant phallus is that what you're trying to say yeah did i tell you guys the end of the awesome story no no because this happened on sunday i'll have to tell you the next episode july 5th 5 45 a.m 16 year old whitney bennett she's home and she just wakes up and she wakes up to a terrible headache. Now this girl is 16 years old and it was July 4th the previous night and she had left a few parties. She's 16 so you know what is this headache for? She doesn't know. She wasn't drunk. She didn't get drunk. Maybe she was drugged. She got home around 1 o'clock a.m. that night so only four hours sleeping. She slept for four hours, woke up, terrible headache, terrible. Her head and her face was throbbing. She could barely see out of her eyes, almost like they were closed. So she couldn't see what's going on. Her face is hurting. She has this sticky stuff all over her body. She wakes up and notices a few things that, number one, she was sleeping, turned around the other way. She never sleeps that way on that side of the bed. And she went to bed with her usual nightgown, panties, bra, stuff like that. And those parts were missing. So she, at this point, is freaking out. She knows something is wrong. So she starts screaming, Daddy, 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 Daddy's home. In the home is a Steve Bennett and his wife, 16-year-old 
18-year-old Whitney and a, an 18-year-old James in the home. Mm -hmm. So dad comes running in there. Baby, what's wrong? What are you screaming at? What's wrong? All right. So dad walks in and is in complete shock at what his daughter looks like. Can you read what Steve would say? She's reading from The Night Stalker by Philip Carlo. We're also reading from Richard Ramirez versus the state of California and some various newspaper articles. Steve and his wife were awakened by Whitney's pleas. He jumped out of bed and ran toward her room. When he saw how badly she had looked, he nearly fell over. Both her eyes were swollen shut and her head was distorted to twice its normal size. She was barely recognizable. Her head was swollen to twice its normal size. How? All the, oh, the blood and the... She was beaten. I don't know. She was beaten while, while she was sleeping? Immediately, he thought, oh my God, she was in an accident. She was at this party and there's a car accident and she... Like, I don't know what happened, but that's his immediate thought. Because right. there's... there's She wakes up. She has no idea. She cannot see. She is swollen. Her head is swollen. She is barely recognizable. And there's blood everywhere. Like, how the F did I get here? at this point. I was fine four hours ago and now I'm like this. Yeah, that's crazy. Can you read what uh, the father says? According to Steve Bennett, Whitney was all bloody and moaning. It gave me the biggest shock I've ever had in my life. It looked like she'd been in some kind of terrible car accident. The first thought was, oh my God, I got to get her to the hospital. 911 was called and immediately an ambulance is dispatched. And also dispatched was a Detective Carrillo, the same one who we talked about last week. Him and his partner, Frank Solarno, they were on the Night Stalker task force. Ah. And he was dispatched to the scene because he thought, mm, this doesn't seem like a car accident. Mm. Plus her car is fine outside. I think someone And she in. remembers getting home. She remembers right? getting like, home. She gets home. She takes off her jewelry. She writes a letter to her dad because her dad had put like a check for to buy groceries on the um, on the kitchen table. So mm -hmm. she's like, thanks, dad. I love you. She wrote a note. She puts everything on. She gets ready for bed and then she wakes up completely in a different in a different body almost. Mm, wow. But what what happened here? I mean, how is this? How is this the Night Stalker's fault? Like this there has got to be something else. This 16-year-old had no idea. How would you not be woken up to so if someone was, like, punching you? You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty crazy. Unless she was drugged. Yeah. At the party. This 16-year-old girl had no idea. Now, as soon as they get there, she goes unconscious. She's not going to wake up for a while. And when she does, she's going to be battling with her life. Mm. Hey, Luna. Hey, Shram. Just wants to say hey. Thanks What's for up, joining. What's up, Luna and Shram? What's up? She fell unconscious, nearly comatose. She was rushed to the ER. And at this point, neither the family or the detectives that had just arrived, they're not sure if she's going to live or die. Lauren made a good guess. Like, was she knocked out with the first blow? Like, if she was punched in the middle of the night, was she knocked out? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do know, but... <laughs> I, I thought that was a good guess. No, no it was a great or, guess. Or a good, like, reasoning. <laughs> yeah, it's a great guess. I just don't want to give anything away here. Okay. All right. I just wanted to share in case she was right. They also... So the, the detective, when they get to the crime scenes from now on, like, they knew that this was a Night Stalker thing. So he is, They like, don't know how, but they knew that he's involved. So the first 
first thing they do, very first thing is they look outside, they look for a shoe print, an Avia shoe print. And I looked it up. There were only six pairs crazy. sold in California. Six pairs. In the whole state? In the whole state of this Avia 11 and a half shoe. It was very rare. Huh. There was only six. It was like one shoe store had it. Exactly. And if Richard Ramirez would have used a credit card or something, then that would have been it. But, but he doesn't. But that was. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't that popular so back then. So only six were sold. Wow. Only six. So the first thing they do is look for that Avia logo. Right. And there and behold, it's in the mud. Wow. Not only that, there's a tire iron in her room that is obvious the murder weapon here. Right. Or the attempted murder weapon. Well, we don't know if she lives or dies oh. at this point. Yeah, you'll see. So, for instance, this is the first time I've ever seen this phrase. Among all the trauma to the head, which we'll describe here in a second, she had, quote, partial retina detachment. Ooh. Oh, goodness. So the retina, and you know, I remember getting LASIK and they peel back the retina. Yeah, yeah, it's freaky deaky. I remember, so I had to get a certain type of LASIK because there's one LASIK that if you get, you can't be airborne. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Because it'll rip off when you're jumping out of a plane. Ooh, I don't like that. That, oh, <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> I didn't so, even know that you had LASIK. Yeah. I did too. When? When I was 20. Oh. I had really bad um, I had it last- problems with my eyes, so I was wearing contacts and the, uh, I, I kept on getting like conjunctivitis uh-huh. from from like having to take my contacts in and out basically and it got to the point where I had a scratched cornea it was like just missed my line of vision so they were basically by the time I was a sophomore in college they're like you can work put on contact special occasions only for like a couple hours that's it so I had to wear glasses all the whole time of my sophomore year basically which was fine <laughs> nerd um but I really my grandmother had a lot of eye problems and she was like, I want you to be able to get LASIK surgery. So she she paid for a very oh, wow. the best like her eye doctor, who's like one of the best in Boston. Um, he did a lot of uh, I think like a lot of like sports celebrities and stuff, their LASIK surgery. And they almost couldn't do one of my, that one eye because of how close it was to my vision. But they Ooh. were able to do both. And uh, so I was able to like experience the world when I was abroad without having to wear my glasses. Which That's awesome. cool. Yeah, I used to. Do you remember when LASIK first came out, the doctor's offices that were doing it would have these see-through glass windows outside so everyone could see mm, person like, getting LASIK? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom had that when so everyone could see like the procedure. Yeah, they used to do that. You don't remember that? No. I will say getting LASIK, if if you have the opportunity to do it, it was it was amazingly yeah, worth it. It was the best. Yeah, one of the best things I've ever done. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I've been very fortunate because I've never... Your eyes are like perfect. I've never That's needed crazy. glasses. I feel like now as I'm getting older, I've f- see myself like starting to maybe need them. I need to get my eyes checked, but well, yeah. so I had to wear BCGs yeah. when I went to basic, <sighs> which is what the the big birth, birth control birth glasses. glasses. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, what is it called? Yeah, yeah. Birth Wait, control glasses. What do they glasses. look like? Oh they're my gosh, like, do you like have those, picture? kind of. No, do you have no. a picture of yourself with them? Oh my gosh, no, that's adorable. Big and brown and thick. Just type in uh, so cute. Army BCGs. I think glasses Here, I, are cute. It. I do. But no. I look good with glasses. But it's hard when you have like when you have to wear them all the time. Yeah. It is hard. Hold on. I'll show you. 
Army BCG glasses. I don't know what it stands for. No, it's birth control glasses. No, it doesn't stand for that, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, what they it, call them. It's the same acronym, but... Yeah, but that's not what it stands for. You oh. think that's what it stands for? <laughs> I thought it was just a nickname. <laughs> These right oh, here. Oh, my gosh. I would <laughs> I would pay big money to see you wearing those. <laughs> I would pay such big money. Big money. <laughs> <laughs> Faith said that. That's funny. That's what my husband called them, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at this one. This is a great photo. Your eyes still can deteriorate. Yes. However, if you think about it, so cute. Adorable. <laughs> I think it's. A, I think glasses are so cute. Um, You know, if I, I figured if I got them when I was 20 and if they would last 15 to 20 years, like I want my perfect vision days to be when I'm Younger. 20 to 40. Yeah, you I know was, what I mean? I it was, was kind of like, yeah. yeah, like I'll do it now because if they change and get worse later, Whatever. You and can I get have it again, right? hurt. Now you can. They do numb your eyes and they give you a Valium beforehand. I they don't give me shit. <sighs> no, they give me a Valium. I feel like I don't want anything to like I'm so afraid of anything happening to my eyes or my teeth. I mean, hey, they, they like peel your you know, they put Jen. your eyeballs in a thing so they have to keep them open and then they tell you to keep looking at the laser. I thought they'd freak you out. Well, I this knew that's hard. what you were doing. Somebody so go I- get a carrot and a knife. Stop! Let's <laughs> cut off Stop. these little fingers. Well, no, I'm, I'm still, yeah, no, I'm still have PTSD. <laughs> yeah. not, I'm not trying to joke about it. Like, I literally, like, am afraid to, like, use my yard trimmer because I'm, a, like, I... Yeah, of course. I just, almost cut my fingers off. cut those trees down completely, Jen. I need to. But no, see, so we, I cut them back so they don't look bad, but now the bushes underneath the trees are growing. I would just Stop. cut Stop. Don't down. say anything. <laughs> He's trying so hard not to make a pubic reference. No, I wasn't. I was no. I'm just. If nope. you cut the bushes, the tree will look bigger, and you, you could. I know you. You can't help yourself. It's that's. But that's what I was cutting was the the um the the greenery yeah. like that was growing from the tree, and I would just cut the whole. Thing. You know what I was the whole thing down. What I was thinking though, Christmas is coming up, so the green bushes and the red blood smeared all over it from you cutting off your fingers would actually kind of go together. (laughs) At this point, Whitney's unconscious. She's nearly comatose and she's rushed to the ER. And at this point, we don't know if she's going to live or die because as I'm going to show you, she is brutalized beyond anything. So the detective Carrillo said the following about this crime scene. And yes, it is a crime scene. He said that, quote, it was one of the bloodiest crime scenes I'd ever been at, end quote. Oof. And no one knows what happened. She just wakes up and what the hell? Yeah, that's crazy. And it's one of the one of the bloodiest crime scenes he's ever been at. And he's been at all the other Other Richard Richard Ramirez Ramirez crime crime scenes. scenes. He's on the task force. Mm. So at this point, Whitney is in the ER. She is unconscious and they find an Avia logo in the mud and in her room. Can you read what Detective Carrillo says? When I saw the print, I got goosebumps all over, chills and a tight feeling in my gut. It was him, no doubt. So what happened? What happened here? And how? why doesn't she know what happened? Well, July 4th, a few hours before, she gets home about one o'clock. It's a quarter till one o'clock a.m. She's a little late. She's supposed to be home at midnight. Midnight. She stayed out too long. Mm. She was driving way too fast getting home. And and she even thinks that too, probably. I mean, uh, did I get in a wreck? I don't know. She was driving way too fast. She she gets home. And at this point, she does notice a lot of police cruisers just kind of 
going through different neighborhoods, shining their spotlights. They're actually looking for the, quote, valley intruder. And that's to answer your question from the other day. You said, did he have a moniker just for breaking in? And he did. He was the, quote, valley intruder. Mm-hmm. So they were looking for him. Now, he's already murdered at this point. So they just haven't got his real moniker yet, the Night Stalker. But July 4th, 1985, if, if the Bennett's had security cameras, the following is what they would have seen on them. Richard Ramirez pulls up. He drives to the San Gabriel Mountains and pulls up right on Arno Drive, right in front of their home, and he shuts off the lights. At this point, he has a police scanner in his car, and he monitors it religiously. He knows that there are cops out there, an influx of cops, looking for this prowler. And in fact, many cops follow him in his stolen Toyota Mm -hmm. for tonight many times. They never seem to pull him over. But that makes sense because Satan is directing the traffic here. Mm. And he believes that because who in their right mind would go and do this when there's so much police presence out? Cops follow his car when he's on the way there. Cops follow it when he's done. Mm -hmm. And he never gets pulled over. Interesting. He rode with Satan. He was riding with Satan and that's why he was never caught. He gets to the mountains and he pulls on Arno Drive and he walks around the back. He has no idea who's in that house. He walks up those steps that you saw, those those red Mm -hmm. brick brick steps. He walks up just straight up. This is about 2 a.m. in the morning, about an hour after Whitney went to sleep. And he walks around back and tries to go in the back door, but the back door is locked. So he's like, oh, all right, well, let me try the front door. The front door is unlocked. Jeez. So he walks in at this point, and when you walk in the door and take a right, Whitney Bennett's room, the 16-year-old, is right there on the right. So he walks in the front door, which is unlocked. He shines his pen light. Well, he pulls his pen light out of his waistband. Now, when I should say when he walks in, the first thing he does is sit still. And he and he'll say this plenty of times in his interviews when he's telling people how to be a good criminal. As we'll go into the next episode, like he'll teach you how to do this. Stuff like, for instance, he tucks in his pants to his shoes so they don't get caught on anything. You watch out for clotheslines, like stuff like this, you know, mm-hmm. you you watch out for like dogs and stuff like that. There's stuff you do, things you do to be a good criminal. Right. Anyway, he walks in the front door and he's quiet. He says a prayer, the same prayer that he always says before he does anything. Quote, Satan, this, what I, your humble servant, am about to do, I do for you. He's quiet for 30 seconds, taking it all in. He gets his pen light and he sees Whitney sleeping. He goes, checks the rest of the house. Mm-hmm. Towards the rear of the house, the mama and papa, Bennett, are also sound asleep. He shines the pen light on them. You can see that they're snoozing. He kind of sizes up Steve Bennett and see, sees if he can take them, this, that, and the other, and decides he can. Mm-hmm. He then walks back to Whitney's room and immediately he gets starts getting turned on. He begins grabbing some of the things off the uh, dresser, the rings and the jewelry, and he just pockets them. One of his friends growing up would say, if something isn't tied down, then Richard would take it. Mm. He's good at stealing, and he does that instinctively at this point. He sees Whitney sleeping, and he gets turned on, extremely turned on, and he decides that he's going to attack her first, rape her, and then kill the parents. Mm. 
that's how like turned on this guy was. He decides not to use his 22 pistol. So he walks outside, he gets in his car and he grabs a tire iron that was in the car. You know what a tire iron is, right? Mm -hmm. It's like this big old L shaped thing. You take your, you take your hub caps off with. Mm -hmm. So he brings back this tire iron. And as he's walking in, he'll say this as he's about to walk back in the front door, 2 a.m. at night, a police cruiser goes through that neighborhood, shining the spotlight. He ducks down in the bushes and that police cruiser just goes right by. They're looking for a prowler. They know that this is going to happen somewhere in the area. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. I just missed him. Because as you'll see, he attacks in the same neighborhoods multiple times. It's so crazy. they know where to look, but they just... Well, they know he's now attacking high wealth houses. Before he grabs that tire iron, though, he thinks about using a knife. And this is what he would say about killing someone with a knife. Killing with a knife is very personal. You you actually are holding it as it goes in. And when death comes, you can feel your victim dying through the knife. It's like sex. So at this point, he decides, I want to use a tire iron and bludgeon her to death. That's awful. So he gets right up close to Whitney Bennett, 16-year-old. She's passed out with his left hand wearing that big old gardening glove he always wears, that leather gardening glove. Mm -hmm. He shoves his hand on her mouth. At this point, she's waking up, but only for a second Mm -hmm. because the next millisecond, that tire iron impacts the side of her temple, knocking her unconscious. Lauren, good job. At this point, now he's still, his his hand is still pressed against her mouth so she won't scream. He is going to hit her 10 more times right now. He's going to hit her over 20 with a tire iron, 20 or 30. They don't know the exact number, but right in a row, as fast as he can, just beating her on the same spot, on the same top of the head with this tire iron. She's she's like in a coma at this point. So she's not screaming, but no one woke up in the house. He did it real quiet. There was no sound. He kind of just takes a breath. There's blood all over him, all over his face, all over the wall, all, all over the pillows. He just stays silent for a second. She's breathing, labored. She has these labored breaths, but she's still alive. And he decides that's when he wants to rape her. So he pulls up her nightgown and pulls off her panty and bra. And at that point, he's like, you know what? I think I'm going about this too quickly. I think I've been making a lot of mistakes lately and I can just see it now. I'm raping this victim. She wakes up. She screams. Dad walks in here. He done. And that's it. Like I have my pants down and then I'm caught. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kill her first. But to do that, I got to strangle her to death. Now, this is very important. Mm. At this point, he is on top of her. She is laying on her stomach. He flips her around. He grabs the telephone cord. Back in those days, you still had cords attached to the telephone. <laughs> so say, some people listening may not know that that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because even when we were younger, like it was wireless. A lot. Yeah. When we, when we were probably 10. What? Yeah. No, dude. Oh, yeah. yeah y'all were young. Well, remember. I mean, they had like, they were home phones, yeah. but they didn't. You have cords. You know what phone I had? Hmm. It was the Sabrina the Teenage Witch phone. Do you remember that one? So cool. Yeah. It was in my room. We weren't allowed to have phones in our room. He looks over at the dresser and he the first thing he grabs is that corded phone. That that uh, whitish, yellowish, beige, cordless, not cordless, corded phone with a long ass cable running out of it. And he grabs that and wraps that cord around her throat many times. Now she's turned on her stomach. She's laying on her stomach. So that cord's now around her and he starts pulling back with all his might, choking her, killing her, getting every getting every last breath out of her. 
from the book The Night Stalker by Philip Carlo. Whitney was lying on the bed on her stomach. He straddled her, wrapped the telephone cord around her neck, and pulled it close with all his strength. A terrific homicidal force. When he was in a killing mood, his strengths were exceptional. Now, what happened next is the theme for this episode that we're going to talk about. It's very religious. Richard Ramirez is of Mexican descent from a family that believed Jesus Christ and Satan, like 100%, you cannot convince them that they weren't real. The Bible and and their religion was so heavily taught in the Ramirez family and, and most families around that time, I guess, in that area. Anyway, what happened next cannot be explained rationally by anybody. I want to say that at this point, Richard Ramirez was not high on cocaine this night. He was making good decisions. I mean, except for like murder. Well, that's why he decided to kill her first. That's a good decision. He's not being sloppy like he's been with a shotgun. He's making good decisions to get what he wants. And so this is from his own words, what he saw happen next. As he is straddling on top of her, she is on her stomach. He is pulling back this this telephone cord and her neck is just raised up like this. Now she is doesn't know none the wiser because she was just bludgeoned. So she is in and out of a coma at this point. And that cord just gets tighter and tighter around her neck. And uh, it's just her throat is just being compressed. And all of a sudden. He began to see a, quote, blue haze leaving her body. He would say this is pitch black. This is around 3 a.m. Pitch black. And all of a sudden, an illuminescent blue haze starts emanating from her body. He knew right then what that was. Her soul was leaving her body. It's actually really interesting. And so the soul for for like uh, people practicing astral projection and stuff like that, where you can leave your body and all that uh, old Tibetan dream type of sleep. um, Oh, yeah. uh, Tibetan dream guides and stuff from centuries old. They always talk about a blue cord that's attached to your soul when it leaves your body. It's like a tether and it's always blue. It's like this blue tether. So to see that blue soul leaving the body, he knew what that was and he was staring in in awe. He he's never seen that before. He's not high. He's in his right mind. Huh. He is just completely shocked. That's not the only thing. The next thing really cannot be explained by anybody. As he's pulling back, that soul is is coming out of her body, trying not to to leave. Something's pulling her soul back in. Something doesn't want her to die. Mm. Something's not going to let this man take her soul. He doesn't know what it is, but all of a sudden, that telephone cord, a telephone cord. If you still have a telephone cord at your house, go rip it out of the wall. It's not like an electrical cord. Don't rip an electrical cord out the wall because electrical, electrical cord will spark and you would see a bunch of sparks fly and it's dangerous. Telephone cord doesn't spark, but this one did. It started the whole cord around her neck started sparking, sparking electricity, some force. And he could tell someone was intervening. Somebody was pulling her soul back in her body and trying to get this guy to stop what he was doing. Wow. Holy hell. Suddenly he saw sparks on the wire taking Whitney's life and they caused him to hesitate. He saw a blue haze leaving her body. He figured it was her soul, and he let go of the cord. Whitney sucked in desperately needed air. He'd never seen anything like that before, and it spooked him. It was, he decided, the power of Christ. 
that had interceded and saved Whitney's life. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. Damn. He lets her go and he bolts from that home. Shit. Bolts from that home. Whitney's hair was shaven off at the ER. The beating she received was obvious now. Struck more than 20 times, red blood welts crisscrossed her head, described as a waffle pattern. On the top of her head to her temples, a waffle pattern, a tic-tac-toe from the beating, tic-tac-toe waffle pattern across her head. Her scalp had actually detached in several pieces. The only way to fix it was with stitches, kind of like Jack Skellington and his wife Sally. Remember, her arm kept falling off. Mm -hmm. The only way you can put it back on was with 478 stitches in her head. 478. Like, her whole head is stitched up like she was just in a Frankenstein movie. Jesus. It's Frankenstein. She survives, but barely. Damn. And once she, once as, as the weeks go by, her memory starts coming back at the night. She does remember a guy that broke in very wow. quickly, but she said this attacker wore all black. He was vicious. He smelled like, quote, wet leather, and he was a good-looking, light-skinned Mexican. From the state of California versus Richard Ramirez, Robert Costarella, um, MD, a plastic surgeon, was on duty at the Arcadia Methodist Hospital on July 5th, 1985. He treated Whitney Bennett for a for massive head lacerations, skull fractures, fracture of the eye socket, fractured to a finger on her left hand. He operated on her several times to remove scars. Bennett suffered eye damage and partial retina detachment. Marks that he observed around her neck were lightly caught, likely caused by rope or cord. In Dr. Costarella's opinion, Doc Bennett's head injuries were consistent with blunt force trauma caused by a tire iron. Mm. Jesus came in and this is what he believed. It was also a, an omen for him. It believed that his time was running out. At that moment, he decided right then and there that he is going to keep doing this. He's basically a spree killer. Yeah. And if he gets caught, he's going to he's going to he's going to die. He's going to because he knows he'll face the death penalty. And to properly serve Satan, he wants to die on that hill wherever he's caught. Right. Shoot out or whatever it be. So uh, I think we should stop that one there. Okay. okay. And then put more in it. Let's take a break and then we'll do an unlisted one with all the religion and some more murders for the Supremas. What do you guys think? Sounds good. Sounds perfect. Cool. What do you think of that so far? I mean, that's the second witness. I, I think it's, yeah, it's another witness, but it's also interesting that, like, he, since he is into Satan and worshiping Satan, that he still kind of is spooked by, like, like the soul and, and him associating it with Christ instead of being, like, resentful towards that force or, like, making mm. him want to He's continue. He's afraid of it. Right. Interestingly. It's, that's kind of interesting to yeah. me because usually... Well, he was... He grew up believing in Christ. Right. But, I, and I understand that, but for, I feel like for someone who, and I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar with the ins and outs of, of, of satanic stuff, but I feel like, and I could be wrong, but like, I feel like if you are worshiping Satan, I feel like that would, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't think that would be scared by something that like is the yeah. complete opposite of, of what you're trying to do. But Jesus always beat Satan in the Bible. Right. That's right. But but so if, he, knows, if he's if he's worshiping Satan, wouldn't he like try to beat Christ for Satan? No. Doesn't, wouldn't that make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. But no. But he's genuinely afraid of it. Yeah. Well, because he knows that Satan will always lose at the end. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Like it's, 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 
the Bible that way. Satan yeah. was banished. Well, and right. he can never rise up. Yeah. And he'll he'll always be that's how they're taught. So okay. he he the reason he's a Satanist is because he started, as we'll get into in the next episode, as a child having all these violent thoughts, these sexual deviant thoughts about bondage and raping and stuff. And he knew his whole family is deeply religious, and he knew that Jesus Christ would banish him to hell just for having those thoughts. Okay. So he was like, well, shit, Satan seems better to me because we seem more alike. Mm. Interesting. I feel like, okay, in in for sake of time, and I know you said we were going to talk about this in the next episode, I'm going to save my comments for the next episode because I'm actually kind of like really intrigued by this. But yeah, well, just save your comments here. I was going to tell you, I told Nicole I had a dream the other night. Uh-huh. Did you read it before? No, I did not. Oh, weird. I did not read it before. I read it. I read this after. Interesting. But the dream I had, I, 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 I'm not a type of guy to dream and tell, right? Never been. But this yeah, is- Yeah, you never talk about your dreams. I always talk about my dreams because like they're so vivid and I feel like they're real. But I never is, hear you talk about your dreams. This was so significant that I'll never forget it. And if the dream was real, I would be completely changed. I'd probably stop this podcast and start a Christian podcast instead. But you wow, guys want to hear the dream? I, I do. I'm I'm interested. Or should I save it? Oh, it's up to you. Up to you. Let me save it. T- tell them, g- tell them how little... crazy and it was a very powerful dream. I'll give you that. Uh, very powerful, which is why I'm surprised that you did not. Because you often like dream about things that you were just thinking about mm-hmm. or you see, and like somehow it appears in a dream. Mm-hmm. You know, just randomly. Yep. That ha- that's what happens to me all the time. Or or remember, like in the last episode, it's always sunny. He's dreaming, and it's like all of the people and the faces he's seen throughout the day manifest in different things. Mm-hmm. The whole the the car the car and the tea. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that was like that was a dream. That was a good one, great one. So when you just told this story, I assumed, oh well, no. certainly he must he of course he just read this, and that's why you had this dream. No, I wasn't even going to do this specific story this morning. I have two other ones I was going to do, but you felt like you had to. I didn't. I did. I did because I read it. I read it in in this little document in that book I have about it, and I was like, "All right, I got to research this for several hours here." And it it was remarkably similar, was it not? Very interesting. So yeah, we'll, we'll save we'll, it. We'll, we'll save, save it. the dream. We'll kick it off. Yeah. And uh, we're just gonna do a super quick break. Like this is not a food break or meal break. We're just gonna take a quick like bio break and then come back. Did you say bio break? Yeah, like bio? biological needs. Yeah, bio. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Bio break. All right, yeah. I gotta, um, this yeast infection has been like really getting to me, so I gotta go take care of that. But we'll be back. Do you guys get yeast infections? Well, so we'll be back so. in the Supremo, right? In in 10 minutes. Cool. So that's all for this episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. So until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. I kind of run this shit.